Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you are here this morning, and uh, we welcome you in the name of the Lord, and uh, it is an exciting day today. It is a, an exciting day because we are gathered in worship together with one another, and that's always an exciting time. But it's also an exciting day because today is a special worship service. Today's, uh, today is a special worship service because we are setting aside a couple of people uh, who are very special to us and who have committed themselves to the ministry of, of deacon here at Community Baptist Church. And that's Brad Fleming and uh, Phyllis McElwain. And so uh, it's special for them. And we are glad that you are here and that you have joined us in this special service today. Uh, we have guests with us today and uh, we thank you for being here. And we want you to know that you are very special to us. And, um, and uh, we welcome you and hope that God is going to bless you in a very special way today as we worship the Lord. Uh, just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, I'll take, I hope you'll take note of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out, put your name and address and email address and phone number and all of that on there. Pass it down the row and, uh, and then pass it back down, especially if there's somebody on your row that you don't know so that... You can introduce yourself to them after the worship service or during our greeting time and um, uh, introduce yourself by name and get to know them. Uh, several other things, many of you know that we are in a uh, visioning process right now and as a part of that process, uh, Phyllis McElwain is leading some focus groups and two of those groups will be meeting this afternoon. Uh, the senior citizens group, and in, in case you want to know, well, what does that mean? Uh, it means 55 and older, okay? So if you're 55 and older and would like to participate in this senior citizens group, that's at 4.30 this afternoon, and I think they're going to meet back in this Sunday school class in the, in the corner there. And if you uh, don't fit within that group and you fit within any other group, then there's going to be a meeting at 6 o'clock this evening in the same place. So if you would like to participate in these focus groups, this is uh, gathering some information that will help us as we, <coughs> as we make our vision for the future. And, uh, and, and also, in, in terms of that, there will be a visioning retreat for our deacons and our church council next Saturday. And that will be held at the board, boardroom of the community college. So if you're a part of that, please, please uh, put that on your calendar and be there next Saturday. Also, today's a, another special day because Jika has a concert today, don't you? At 3.30. And I don't, those of you who, who were at her concert here a few months ago 
I don't have to tell you that this is a very special time. So it's at 3.30 this afternoon at uh, First United Methodist Church. And so I, I know that if you can be there, I know you will want to be there, if at all possible. We're glad that you're, oh, there's one more thing. Cindy Hall has been putting up with Tim Hall today for 34 years. Oh, <laughs> I always knew that Cindy was a saint. So. <laughs> oh, we're glad that you're here. And uh, let me invite you to stand up and turn around and greet the people around you. Let's just share in a time of greeting with one another.
responsive prayer printed in your worship folder and if you will join me in praying this prayer together Lord just being in your presence changes us we want to abide in you you O oh Lord are our only hope we know this soul We know you as the one who saw us on the road. You didn't pass across the did. You stopped and healed our wounds. You did not look at our outward appearance. You loved us without condition, reason, or gain. How could we ever say no to you? Accept our praise as humble thanks for your unbelievable love. Amen.
Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 through 45, the story of the leper. A leper came to Jesus, begging him and kneeling. He said to him, if you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. We're glad to have Ben Boaz sharing with us. Ben sits with us a lot of times, has been here with us a lot, a friend of Sarah Fingston, and usually in that area, and we're delighted to have him to be singing for us today. Mercy reigns 
Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for letting us be here today and to learn all that you have done for us. Please bless these tithes and offerings. In your name I pray. Amen. Author Larry Davies, in his book titled Sowing Seeds of Faith in a World Gone Bonkers, tells a story that many of us may be able to identify with. He says that the, the checkout line at his local grocery store was long, and he was in a hurry. So seeing another line nearby that was nearly empty, he walked over and stood behind the only customer waiting to make a purchase. A young 20-something-year-old woman was holding a small basket with 15 or 20 jars of baby food in it. There was nothing else in the basket, just baby food. This is great, he thought. She'll only be here a minute, and, and then I can be on my way. Well, the clerk took the woman's check for $7.43 and efficiently typed the numbers in and slid it into the proper slot on the cash register. And at this point, the cash drawer was supposed to open and a receipt was supposed to print, but it did not happen. A light began to blink that read, C Manager. And so the clerk called on the intercom for the manager to come while running the check through again, but the same sign kept flashing, see manager. Oh no, thought Davies. 
not another delay. I'm in a hurry and I just don't need to, for this cash register to break down. However, when the manager arrived, he didn't even look at the cash register. But instead, he picked up the check and began to talk with the customer. Davies could feel the muscles in his stomach tighten as the reality of what was happening, happening struck him. The check for $7.43 was no good. And the manager was quietly telling this young woman that she could not buy her baby food there. The clerk quickly set aside the groceries, closed her account, and began to ring up Davy's purchase. She should manage her money better, better Davies tried to convince himself while leaving the store. She's probably an alcoholic or a drug addict, he rationalized to himself. However, his flimsy excuses would not erase the picture in his mind of a grocery basket filled with baby food. Davies writes, at this point, I want to finish the story by saying how I approached the manager and offered to pay for the purchase of the baby food. It was the right thing to do. I don't have much money, but I can afford $7.43. But instead, hiding my light under a basket, I turned my head and walked away. There are no acceptable excuses, he says. I had a great opportunity to help someone in need, and I walked away. Can anybody here relate to that story? Can you relate to a story like that? Perhaps it was the, the sad-looking man who approached you at the fast food restaurant. So many con artists out there these days, we say to ourselves. He doesn't really need the money to get his family back home. He'll just go and buy some booze with it, we say. Or maybe it's, it's the guy holding up the sign at the interstate exit. We'll work for food. Somebody ought to do something about that, we think to ourselves. He, he shouldn't be able to harass people like that. And yet still we wonder, did I turn away from someone who was really in need? And reading the stories of Jesus in the Bible does nothing to help appease our sense of guilt. Because Jesus never, ever turned anyone away. Just last week, we were talking about the large crowds of people constantly pressing in on Jesus, and he had compassion for all of them. And in a similar fashion, in our story for today, a man with leprosy came to Jesus for help. Apparently, this man had heard the stories of Jesus' miracles for the Bible tells us that he got down on his knees and he said to Jesus, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Now that's faith, isn't it? If you are willing, said the man. He believed that Jesus could heal him if only Jesus would heal him. Now, you've probably heard what a terrible disease leprosy is and, and especially was in those days. It is literally a, a, a living death. 
Flesh died and decayed while still a part of the living human being, leaving the person horribly disfigured. And even worse than the disease itself is how people with leprosy were treated by society. Ancient historian Josephus declared that lepers were treated as if they were dead. When leprosy was diagnosed, the, the, the leper was banished from the rest of the community. The writer of Leviticus spelled this out when he said that the leper shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone in a habitation outside the camp, away from everyone else. The leper had to go with his, his clothes torn, his hair disheveled, and, and, and with a covering over, over his upper lip. And as he walked along the road, he had to cry out, unclean, unclean, so that everyone in the vicinity could be warned to stay away. This was the situation of this desperate man who fell to his knees before Jesus. He had no doubt that Jesus could heal him. His only question was Jesus willing to heal him? If you are willing, he begged the master, you can make me clean. And here is how Jesus responded to that request. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately, the leprosy left the man, and he was cured. Now, I don't want the radical nature of this verse of Scripture to pass us by. It tells us here that Jesus reached out his hand and touched this man. But here's the thing. Nobody touched a leper. Nobody touched a leper. For you see, a leper was ceremonially unclean, and anyone who had contact with a leper became ceremonially unclean, which prohibited that person from participating in corporate worship like we are here today, Pro prohibited them from coming into the temple. William Barclay tells us that contact with a leper defiled the person who, who had that contact. He said the law enumerated 61 different contacts which brought defilement. And the defilement caused by contact with a leper was second only to the defilement caused by contact with a dead body. If a leper so much as put his head inside a house, everything in the house became ceremonially unclean, even to the, to the beams in the roof. It was forbidden to greet a leper, even in an open space. And yet Mark tells us that Jesus reached out his hand and touched this man. It was probably the first physical contact that this leper had with another human being in quite a while. And why did he do it? Well, you know why, don't you? We're told here. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. He did it because of his compassion. 
You know, in many people's estimation, that's the problem with Jesus. He has too much compassion. (laughs) He's too soft-hearted. He's too easy to forgive. He's too too easy to accept other people's shortcomings. He's too willing to do for other people what they ought to be doing for themselves. But conveniently, people who feel this way ignore the fact that if Jesus were not compassionate, not a single one of us would stand a chance of salvation. If Jesus were not if, if, he, if he were not easy to forgive, if he were not willing to accept other people's shortcomings, and if he were not willing to do for us what we ought to be doing for ourselves but cannot, every single one of us would be on the outside looking in. And so here we are stuck with a compassionate Jesus. And what does that compassionate Christ expect out of you and me? Well, here it is. He has given us a very clear mandate that we, too, are to be compassionate. In fact, Jesus tells us that we are to be merciful just as our Father in heaven is merciful. And folks, I want to tell you something. That's a lot of mercy. That is a compassionate God. We have a compassionate God, and God wants us to be compassionate just as God is compassionate. And that's a part of the reason that we are here today as we, especially as we ordain Brad Fleming and Phyllis McElwain to the ministry of deacon this morning. Because you see, probably the most important quality of a good deacon, Brad and Phyllis, the most important quality of a good deacon is not his or her wisdom or faith, or generosity, or administrative abilities. No. The most important quality of a good deacon is compassion. Because the most important ministry that a deacon performs is helping to meet the needs of of his or her assigned families and and, and anyone else who has, has a need within the church or otherwise. You see, a deacon is one who serves others that's the very meaning of the word deacon that's the definition of the word deacon it is someone who serves and what in the world would motivate someone to freely serve the needs of other people if it is not compassion mrs veronica goska has an illness that causes intermittent bouts of paralysis. And some days she cannot move her limbs or open her eyes, but other days she can walk and see just fine. The difference, she says, is epic. When she can walk, she travels to and from school by foot, walking along a railroad track. And in the springtime, turtles often get stuck between the rails of the track. Many of them starve to death. Some of them dehydrate or get squashed. And, but when Veronica is walking along the tracks, she picks up every single living turtle that she finds, carries it over to a wooded area, and releases it. And she says, for those turtles, the little power I have is enough. And then she says, I'm a lot like those turtles. 
Sometimes I feel like I'm stuck between the tracks and I'm unable to help myself. And and at times like that, I need someone to lift me over the rail and and put me safely on the other side. When I've been sick and housebound for days, she says, I I wish someone would come along and, and just talk to me. Just to hear a human voice say my name would mean so much to me. One day an, an attack hit me while I was walking home from school and it was a snowy day. I was struggling with each step wobbling and, and weaving across the road. I must have looked like I was drunk. And then one of the neighbors whom I had never met stopped and asked me if I was okay. And he drove me home. He did not hand me the thousands of dollars that I needed for surgery. He did not take me into his own home or clean up the mess in my house. He just gave me one ride, one day, and I am still grateful to him and touched by his gesture. That's all. I have lived in that neighborhood for years, and so far he's been the only person to stop. And then she said this, The problem is not that we don't have enough power. The problem is that we don't use the power we have. My friends, have you ever thought of compassion as a source of power? It is. Every time we allow our sense of compassion to move us to do something good for someone else, we are making the world a better place. And that, my friends, is power. That's power. According to the late Charles Schultz, the creator of the Peanuts cartoon, uh, the people who make a difference in your life are not the ones with the most credentials, the most money, or the most awards. The ones who make the most difference in your life are the ones who care. And that's true, isn't it? If you are willing, the man with leprosy asked, You can make me clean. And here's how Jesus responded to his request. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And then Mark writes, immediately the leprosy left the man and he was cured. Christ was willing to heal the man with leprosy. Here we see a compassionate Christ who reached out to the lowest member of society with a touch of love and healing. And this is the same Christ who listens to our prayers, who cleanses us, who forgives us, who loves us, and who has compassion on us and makes us whole, just as he did with that leper. And it is the same Christ who bids us to be compassionate as well. The Christ who has called you, Brad and Phyllis, and everyone else in this room to serve with compassion the needs of the people around you. Of course, this story has an interesting ending to it. Jesus sent this man away who had been healed from this dreadful disease with only one request. See to it that you don't tell anybody. That's what he told him. See to it that you don't tell anybody. And what did the man do? Immediately he went out and told everybody. (laughs) 
And as a result, Jesus was so pressed by the crowds that he could no longer openly enter the city. But he had to stay out in the country. And yet people continued to come to, to where he was. People from all around came to where he was. Now what does that tell you? What it tells me is this. Being compassionate is going to cost you something. It will. It will cost you your time. It will cost your effort. Sometimes your money. And sometimes you would probably rather be doing something else. Jesus probably would have been better off. He had never bothered with this man. At least he, he could have had a little time to himself without being constantly harassed by, by people in need. But that was not Jesus' nature, was it? No. Jesus is a compassionate friend who is concerned about our every need. And ultimately, we can trust in Jesus to meet our needs. That is wonderful, great news for each of us today. Thank goodness for God's compassion. Thank goodness that we can trust in Jesus to meet our needs. And we can also trust in Christ to put people in our lives, like Brad and like Phyllis, in whom the people of Community Baptist Church have observed the quality of compassion and as a result of that, they have agreed to allow their compassionate hearts to move them in ministry to others as they fulfill their, their role as deacons, their responsibilities. And in response to this story of the compassionate Christ, and in response to these two who will be ordained today, I say, thanks be to God for a compassionate Jesus. And thanks be to God for his compassionate servants. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Brad and Phyllis, it is now your turn. And I'd like to ask if you would to come and sit here in these chairs. And Jim and Nicole, if you would like to come and stand with them, you are welcome to, to do that. Tim Hall, who is the uh, chairperson of our deacons for this year, uh, will come forward in just a moment to uh, offer our ordination prayer. And, um, and then we will have the laying on of hands as we offer our blessings uh, to these two who we are ordaining as deacons today. Um, and we invite everyone, anyone who would like to participate in this to come and lay your hands on, on Phyllis and on Brad. Um, we, it is the church who ordains these people. It is the church who elected them as deacons. They have agreed to serve. But you, the people, have elected them. And so... We urge you to come and offer your blessings upon them and to lay your hands upon them. And if you would like to do that, anyone can come forward to do that. So now, Tim, if you would come and offer our ordination prayer, and then after that, immediately, uh, i tell you what, let's begin on this side and move in this direction, okay? So there's, there's your flow of traffic there. 
And, uh, and uh, after the ordination prayer, we invite you to come and lay your hands and offer your blessings on these two. May we pray. Lord, we realize that you don't ask for perfection in us. And we're so grateful for that. Our hearts overflow with gratefulness, Lord. But we do know that you want our hearts to be willing in all that we're asked to do, that our hearts be humble, and that we have giving hearts, Lord. Whatever small gifts that we may have, we give to you. And in a real sense, Lord, we are all deacons in this church when we serve others, when we serve our families, our children, and our church. And that when we do it in your name, Lord, we do it as a deacon. Now we ask that you use Phyllis and Brad in a special way, Lord. And in your will, please give them the courage and the selflessness to really be true servants in the work that you've called them to do. Lord, we ask that this church pray for the, their deacons and Phyllis and Brad, a good man and a good woman, and we ask that you watch over them and watch over our church as we all do the work that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we invite you to come forward and offer your blessings.
two wonderful people who have been called by this church to serve in a very special way, to serve from a compassionate heart like Jesus did. I believe that our two new deacons would like to have a little word and to address our congregation, so we would invite them to come and to say whatever they have on their minds. First, thank you. Um, today, I'm truly humbled and honored to uh, to be given this. I mean, I'm, words just can't express, you know, the emotions that I'm feeling in my family. Um, thank you to my parents for coming, my mom, uh, my little brother, my children, my aunt and uncle, and my cousins in the back. This is my church family, and these are my blood family and to see everybody together, it's, uh, it really touches my heart, and thank you. Um, when Nicole and I were uh, first looking for a church home here in Henderson, uh, we visited several churches in the area, and um, yeah, there are a lot of great churches out there, but um, nowhere did we feel the welcomeness that we feel here. Um, just as soon as you walk in the door, you know, you're accepted for whoever you are, whatever you are. And that, that, really, that really resonated with us and our family. Um, but three huge reasons that did bring us here was that the, the acceptance that this church has, that everyone gets God's love. No one deserves God's love, and, but by grace, we all have it. And, um, and that, that really touches our heart and my family. Second was Pastor Tim's, um, his sermons touch us every, every, every Sunday. We, go home and we talk about what we got from, from each sermon and they just, they touch our heart and it's exactly what we were looking for and it's exactly what uh, God brought to us. So thank you. And um, thirdly, we wanted to find a church that we could be a part of. We could come in and you know, we wouldn't get lost in the crowd. Um, you know, we, we prayed about that. And uh, now with the children's ministry we lead, um, Upward Basketball, um, praise and worship team. Uh, now the, the deacons, God's definitely filled that, that need that we had as well, and I humbly accept and thank you for, for the honor to uh, represent the church. Thank you. This is an emotional and deeply spiritual experience for me. I believe God is always at work in our lives, and he has a way of pushing us in new directions, but only if we're open to his desires for us. As I prayed about this ordination and dealt with my feelings of great unworthiness of such an honor, I decided this may be God's way of nudging me in a new direction. God has given me so much. My first gift was being born into a Christian home with two parents who loved the Lord. And they taught Frida and me 
is their children about that love. They set an example of love and service to God for us to try to follow. Family gifts from God continued by giving me a close-knit family of my sister and her husband, my son and daughter-in-law, my grandchildren. And then God brought a wonderful Christian man into my life, Jill McElwain. He was brought into my life to be my husband, and, he, and God has blessed our union with great happiness. The greatest gift from God was his son who died for my salvation and the promise from God that he would never leave me through the good times and the bad. God has been there with his constant love and has kept me safe in his arms. A little over 10 years ago, God led me to this church and blessed me again by giving me a loving church family. And now you, dear church family, have given me an opportunity to serve. As Paul wrote to the Ephesians to encourage them to work toward unity in Christ, he urged them to, quote, live a life worthy of the calling you received. This scripture speaks to me as I accept the position of deacon and is my pledge to you to live a life worthy of the calling. Although I felt doubtful of the worthiness in chapter four of Ephesians verse seven, it spoke to me again by saying, but to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. I may not deserve God's grace, but it is freely given and service to God is a way I see to grow in my Christian faith. The call to serve is an awesome opportunity. And I thank you all, dear friends. Praise be to God. We are uh, doing something a little different um, today uh, that we have not done before, and that is the signing of a deacon covenant. Our, our body of deacons uh, adopted this covenant a few months ago. Uh, it is printed in your worship folder, and by no, means, um, by no means interpret this as a creed or anything like this. It is not. It is something that the deacons would like to do to tell you what you can expect from them. It is something that, it is a, a covenant that the deacons are making with you, the church. And I, I don't, I, I would like for us to read this just so that you will know, but I'm going to skip those first two paragraphs because they're kind of uh, preliminary things. But that third paragraph, beginning with that one, I would like to begin there. I covenant together with the other members of the active deacon body to accept, affirm, and commit to the following. Number one, ministry. As a deacon, I will minister to the families assigned to my care. I will make regular calls or visits to my assigned family group as well as minister to their needs during times of sickness, grief, 
crisis, or special need. I will support and assist the pastor in all matters relating to the ministry of the church. Number two, example. As a deacon, I will set a good example before the congregation. My personal habits should not bring reproach upon the Lord or God's church. I will work consistently towards maintaining unity within Community Baptist Church and demonstrate a cooperative spirit. My personal life, family life, devotional life, and business life should set a positive example for other believers and for those outside the church. Number three, stewardship. As a deacon, I will be a faithful steward in my public and private life. I will be responsible in the way I handle my business affairs and my family and my personal finances. I will tithe to the Lord through the church, and I will be a strong supporter of the missions and ministries of Community Baptist Church. Number four, attendance. As a deacon, I will support the ministries of the church through my attendance. I will strive to support and participate in group Bible study, Sunday worship, fellowship times, church conferences, deacons meetings, and church-wide events. Number five, training. As a deacon, I will participate in ministry training that relates to my work as a deacon. And number six, doctrine. As a deacon, I will be a student of the Bible, being both a hearer and a doer of the word. I will be in full cooperation with the spiritual goals of Community Baptist Church. Furthermore, as a deacon, I will be supportive of the pastor, staff, and lay leadership of the church and will work to settle all difficulties in a quiet Christian manner. I will honor the privacy of those things shared with me in confidence within the deacon body. And recognizing that this is not the letter, that it is not the letter of the law, but the spirit that gives life, this deacon covenant is to be interpreted or according to the gracious love and mercy found in Christ Jesus. And now at this point, I would like to ask our new deacons to be first to sign the deacon covenant, a copy of which I have here, and then ask all of our other active deacons to come forward and sign it as well.
It has indeed been a very special day, not only in the lives of Brad and Phyllis, but also in the life of Community Baptist Church, and we are grateful for it. We're going to give you a, an opportunity to respond to God's Holy Spirit in your life. We're going to spit, sing a song, Wherever He Leads, I'll Go, number 285 in your hymnal. And there may be someone here today who needs to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. There may be someone here today who needs to accept the Lord as your Savior and as your, as your Lord, uh, and that this song would be the prayer of your heart, that wherever God leads, I would go. If you've never made that commitment, I hope that you would do that today. Or perhaps you're looking for a church home to be a part of. We invite you to come and unite with our church today. Whatever God is dealing in your heart, we invite you to come forward as we sing together. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Would you come? God, we are grateful for your compassionate heart that you would look upon us with your mercy. You have forgiven our sins and you overlook our shortcomings when we fail you. We are also grateful for these, your servants, Brad and Phyllis, who through your spirit also have compassionate hearts, which have called them to this deacon ministry. Bless them 
with the strength and courage to fulfill their ministry with love. Let us all, O God, go forth from this place filled with good wishes for Brad and Phyllis, but most importantly filled with a desire to serve one another as you have come to serve us. For it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine.
is forever, forever worship you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 